0: You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about.
1: The aggressive advocates who are looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful.
0: This is KCBS
3: In-Depth.
4: chol Su Lee. Nearly 50 years ago, he was convicted of a murder in San Francisco's Chinatown. At first, the case went largely unnoticed, but as time went on, a growing number within the Asian American community began to believe the accusations against Lee just didn't add up. I kept reading the court records and uh, things were shouted at me. As word spread, a movement began to grow took hold in Korean-American churches and on college campuses, cutting across generations and national divides, all organized around the common call to free Chol Su Lee. We really
0: want to show the people, the judge, the court system, the prison system, that we're continued and determined to fight. Freedom court, Freedom
4: court, Freedom court, Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. Just heard their clips from a documentary film called Free Cholsoo Lee. It tells the story of the movement that formed around Lee, a Korean immigrant who was arrested in 1973 for a murder that he did not commit. Lee spent 10 years in prison after that arrest, and very possibly might have spent his whole life there, if it were not for the dogged advocacy from Asian-American activists who saw in his case a grave injustice, born of racism and indifference. Many of those activists went on to play leading roles in other social justice causes as well. And the movement is now seen as a seminal moment in the history of Asian-American activism. So today on the program, we'll be speaking with the filmmakers behind this documentary about Su Lee and the legacy his case has left behind. So welcoming on those filmmakers now, uh, saying hello to the film's co-director, Julie Ha. Julie Ha, welcome to you.
3: Thank you so much. Great to be here.
4: And also welcoming on its other co-director, Eugene Yi. Eugene Yi, welcome to you as well. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, and real quick, we should add that the film made its broadcast debut last month, and it's available to stream now free on the PBS YouTube channel and the PBS app. Um, so, Julie Ha, you've pointed out that this is a story that had been largely forgotten. Uh, why was it important to you to revive it, make this a story that people were aware of again?
3: Well, actually, you know, the origins of this film um, come from a very deeply personal place. Um, uh, I um, know K.W. Lee, the journalist in the film, um, since I was, I've known him since I was 18 years old. He inspired me to want to become a journalist in the first place. Um, he's also, and we'll an- hear
4: more about that in a second, but he was uh, the journalist that was largely responsible for drawing attention to some of the irregularities in the case against uh, Lee.
3: Yes, exactly. Um, he's also an influential flicker, figure in um, Eugene's life. Um, and so we've known about um, the Chelsea Lee case for quite some time through KW, but it really wasn't until the funeral of Chosu Lee um, that I think the seeds were planted to make this film. Um, I had attended the funeral um, to write an obituary for a for Korean American magazine I was working for at the time. Um, I, I come from a print journalism background um, and actually um, you know, while I was in that space, um, I just felt this overwhelming um, sense of heaviness. Um, And to me, it felt like an emotion that went beyond people grieving for someone they had cared about and lost. Um, Many of the people present at the funeral were the activists who had rallied to Cholsou side decades earlier. Um, And um, they were expressing um, not just um, grief, but also regret. they felt so responsible for this other human being and um, the fact that his life, um, even after his release was quite um, was quite difficult. Um, and I was really struck by the depth of compassion and humanity. And then um, at one point, K.W. Lee, um, the journalist, he stood up and he was clutching this Buddhist monk's blocking stick that Chelsu had carved for him. And he said, why is this story underground after all these years? and he called the activists in this movement an endangered species. Um, And he was basically lamenting how this landmark Asian American social justice movement, the kind of social movement this country actually has never seen before was largely forgotten, not even taught in Asian American studies classes in this country. Um, And he knew how hugely influential, consequential um, this story, this history of known today could have on, on, on people today. Um, so fast forward nine or 10 months later, and Eugene and I, who had worked together previously as journalists, um, were, were, were brainstorming about making film together. And uh, I spoke of the heaviness from the funeral. Um, and, just, um, and we just knew that we had to excavate this history, um, that it was too important to allow to stay buried. Um, and we just needed to tell it anew for new generations.
4: Right, and that's exactly uh, what you managed to pull off in this film. So let's get into the story that this film tells. It goes back to 1973, well, even earlier, but let's, uh, I suppose, talk first about how Chol Soo Lee came to be uh, implicated and suspected in uh, this crime. Uh, He was a a Korean-American immigrant in his early 20s. Uh, Pick up the story from there.
3: Yes, he was... um a Korean living in Chinatown, notably, in San Francisco um, in the early 70s. Um, and yet police, uh, when there was this um, murder in, in Chinatown of a Chinatown gang advisor um, in a busy intersection in um, in Chinatown, um, they actually ended up arresting the Korean in Chinatown. Um, uh, notably, Chosu actually was, um, you know, very well known in in Chinatown as a Korean because he stood out, because he was not Chinese. Um, uh, Police arrested him, Mm. um, you know, actually based on um, what would turn out to be um, erroneous ballistics. Um, But it set their sights on Chosu Lee. And uh, and unfortunately the system did not self-correct even after that error was revealed um, before the first trial. Um, You know, notably, Uh, Chelsu was convicted by a jury, not based on material evidence, but based on um, the eyewitness testimony um, of three white tourists. Um, They they actually identified um, a killer who was between 5'6 and um, 5'10, clean-shaven, and Chelsu Lee was a shorter man. He was not even 5'4 and had a mustache. Um, Just based on that alone, you would think that he would have been um, cleared um, of this murder, um, but I think it just goes to show you um, what happens in our criminal justice system, and um, it's it's quite horrendous.
4: Yeah, and as we mentioned a little bit earlier, this case really started to get attention because of the work by journalist K. W. Lee uh, it became a very personal case for him as well, and uh, we got a sense of that uh, in this excerpted interview from your film. I want to play it right now. Uh, here he reflects on how easily he could have fallen into a similar situation to what chol Su Lee faced himself.
1: I was lucky. He was not lucky. There are an awful lot of unlucky people, especially Asians. They have no language, they couldn't tell the story. The institutions, the media and the law enforcement, the judicial system have continued to remain ignorant and insensitive. And uh, that's why I felt, you know, uh, it was my calling to make uh, some small dent in that world of ignorance and insensitivity.
4: Ignorance and insensitivity. Those are themes that are explored throughout this uh, film and how that played into this wrongful conviction, the investigation, the prosecution. And those themes also really a lot of what resonated with those who became involved in this case. So uh, let's uh, continue the story of Chol Su Lee's case and uh, how more people became aware of it and why so many decided to get involved.
3: Yeah, it was really um, the, you know, the the articles that K.W. Lee wrote um, following a six month investigation of this case and covering the truth. Um, those articles actually really, I think, humanized um Chiu-Siu's struggles in this country um, after immigrating at age 12 and just being caught up so quickly into this school to prison pipeline. Um, it, it also um, uncovered just uh, how uh, how unjust um, the conviction was and, and, and actually um, a case that was not based um, on evidence. Um, and I think also um, what we realized was those articles and, and um, I think helped people, especially Asian Americans, um, as the articles were sort of copied and passed around in the community, they could look at Chol and say, that could be my brother, that could be my son, that could be my grandson, that could be me. And, and that's when you see um, the incredible work and power um, of journalism um, and somebody like K.W. Lee, who was actually a Korean immigrant himself, um, could bring um, to the stories um, to just humanize um, the plight of Cholsu Lee. All
4: right. We're going to dig more into that work in just one second. Real quick, for anybody just joining us, this is KCBS In Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. Today, we're talking about the film Free Cholsu Lee, which examines the life and legacy of a man who inspired a movement that helped shape the Asian-American identity. Joining us for that conversation, we're speaking with the film's co-directors, Julie Ha and Eugene Yi, And now we're going to invite on Gail Wong, uh, who was featured in the film and once served as a member of the Bay Area Cholsulie Defense Committee. Gail Wong, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're talking right now uh, about how this movement formed. You were a part of that movement. Maybe you could shed a little bit more light on why the story of Chol Su Lee resonated with you and many others.
0: So Julie talked about K.W. Lee, and you've seen him on the film. He's a very powerful speaker and a powerful writer. And uh, a bunch of young Koreans, we got together, and K.W. came to a class at San Francisco State, and he talked about this case and he also passed out the article that he wrote, Alice in Chinatown. And we were all just so deeply moved by the horrors of this story. And I think we could all relate and identify with the racism, with the way that he was treated. We all have within us experiences like Chosu, uh, whether it was in school, work, working in, in our workplace, And so we we said, we've got to do something. And so we formed a defense committee in line with, there was a a Sacramento Defense Committee um, that that had already been formed. So we formed our Bay Area chapter.
4: And just to dig a little bit more into the the facts of this investigation that were Ah uh, so enraging to many folks uh, Julie Ha or Eugene Yi uh, uh, explain a little bit more. So there was the fact that uh, the case relied on Caucasian witnesses who were standing far away and um, missed uh, key facts uh, about the the individuals involved. There was uh, the fact that, um, they were not really discriminating between uh, people of Chinese ancestry versus Korean ancestry. Uh, what, what else would you want to explain about why this was uh, seen as so outrageous?
3: Yeah, it, um, you know, the even the arresting police officer, um, as you see in our film, um, who arrested Chol Su Lee during that murder trial, he identified on the, from the stand Chol Su as Chinese. And Chelsea's own defense attorney did not even correct that for the record. So mm. I think you see just when you're a poor mm. immigrant um, from a community that actually didn't have much political power um, at that time, it's he he was all alone. And he, even um, even his own court-appointed defense attorney was not giving a, a spirited defense in a case where, you know, KW Lee always talked about how obvious it was that this was unjust. That this this conviction was not based on facts, um, and you know, I think you could you could also speak to the issue of cross racial identification, um, which actually came you know uh, later in the retrial of this murder case. Um, but um, but that's you know another thing. These these three white tourists who saw um, the killer for mere seconds from like maybe forty five feet away, um, and and again though if you know as I mentioned earlier their eyewitness descriptions initially to police, if you read those records, is of a person who is much taller. Um, and, and so just even by, I think by that description alone, and if you see Cholsuli yourself, you, you actually, you will notice that he's shorter in stature. Um, and, um, and again, just, yeah, the, the, the kind of um, assumption, um, they're all Oriental, you know? And so even though he wasn't even Chinese, um, he was Korean, Um, you know, didn't seem to matter, Um, you know, we remember also KW telling us that when he would go and do reporting and all the investigation in this case, he would talk to people in Chinatown, and it was actually pretty well known among the people who, you know, lived in Chinatown that KW, I mean, that um, the So Lee was not the killer, Um, and in fact, people knew who the real killer was. Um, Mm. He even had a nickname that people called after the the murder, which was killer. Um, And so it it just sort of goes to show, you know, how people um, in our society who who are poor um, and and don't have um, the resources or support network, they can be just swallowed up in the criminal justice system like this.
4: Right. And you tell the story of how Chol Su Lee largely was chewed and swallowed up as well. I mean, eventually... He is exonerated after 10 years in jail, but that doesn't mean that he necessarily had uh, a happy end to his story. He went on to struggle with uh, drug addiction, bouncing from job to job. Um, And just to give a sense of the enormity of this movement that uh, built up around him, I want to play another clip. Um, He reflected on that in his writings, uh, some of which you included in your film. Here's an excerpt from that film. Um, So this is going to be the words of Lee read by a voice actor. Many times I asked myself, why are so many people, total strangers to me, working so hard to get me out of prison? And that kind of boggled my mind, I didn't know why they did it. I was just a prisoner, and something like that never happened in my life. I took the support in a very personal way, and I would not understand until many years later the enormity of what I had become in the eyes of these people i become a cause, a symbol. So, on the one hand, he expresses a lot of gratitude for the support that he received. But on the other, it came with a lot of expectations um, for perhaps the leader that he could become, perhaps a, a civil rights figure that uh, many saw in him. And for uh, somebody that had experienced a lot of trauma in his life and had spent so much time uh, in jail. Uh, readjusting back to life out in the world uh, was uh, very crushing.
1: It was, and, and you're right to mention uh, Eugene Yi. You know, some of the, those expectations from the community as well, uh, because he struggled with that as well. He just wanted so badly to, to to pay back. I mean, this this gift of freedom that he'd been given by this incredible work that, that these amazing people had, had done on his behalf. But, <clears throat> you know, we've spoken of this in, in, in other spaces as well. You know, at the time, there really was not um, a reentry program. That 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 term, as 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 one of our participants and interviewees, Jeff Adachi, the former elected public defender of San Francisco, shared with us, yeah, reentry was not a term back then. And so the activists did heroic work in trying to ad hoc sort of like uh, smooth his transition back to to life on the outside. Um, but you know, as another one of the activists, David Kakashiba shared with us, um, you know, Chelsu was uh, on the higher end of need is how, how David Kakashiba put it. And David Kakashiba has, you know, he, he has since the movement days, you know, he works with younger people. And so now sort of has the experience to kind of see what Chelsu was struggling with at the time, but it um, really is important to just kind of, well, one emphasize that the activists work so hard but 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 two. I mean, there was just so much that Chelsea was struggling with. I mean, be like in t- today's language, we would refer to it as institutionalization from his ten years in prison. But of course, that leading to his addiction that you mentioned, and compounding all the trauma that 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 he'd been that that he'd been struggling with before, it really set him on a very difficult path once he was out.
4: Yeah, yeah, and I think that. That institutionalization story resonates with uh, a lot of folks that are concerned with the effects of the criminal justice system. Um, We're going to talk more about this in just one second. Real quick, once again, reminding folks that this is KCBS In Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. Today, we're talking with the filmmakers behind the documentary film Free Cholsu Lee, which has resurfaced the story of a wrongful conviction from the 1970s, along with the grassroots movement, led by Asian-American activists, to set it right. Speaking with the film's co-directors, Julie Hahn and Eugene Yee, also speaking with Gail Wong, who was featured in the film and once served as a member of the Bay Area Lee Defense Committee. So Gail Wong, bringing things back to you, reflect a little bit, if you could, on the lasting legacy of that movement, because uh, as we've been discussing all along, it was much bigger than Chol Su Lee. And in a lot of ways, we can still feel those reverberations today.
0: I think that the film um, brings says it all. And a takeaway message is that change is possible when we see Uh, what's going on in our society today, some of the anti-Asian hate that's going on, the power of the mass movement. That's what brought the Chosu to freedom is that people from all over the country, actually all over the world, there was support committees in Korea who came together, raised money, hired some of the best legal defense team and uh, made this change possible. So the power, I can't emphasize more the the power of this mass movement to create this change. And I think when when young people see the older generation now uh, who were involved and uh, that we actually did this, it will it will give a lot of inspiration. And when I have spoken at panels, young people will come up and say, um, tell us what did you do? What can we learn from you? We need to we need to learn because we don't see these kinds of models. This is our history, and it's finally come to light.
4: Yeah, and uh, you yourself have. Been an activists and um, doing a lot of work in uh, education in Oakland, uh, breaking across um, racial cultural lines. So uh, carrying on that legacy uh, yourself as well, uh, Julie Han, Eugene Yi. What are you hoping that uh, modern day activists might take away from your film?
1: Uh, I think you know one thing to remember about when this movement happened is that uh, this idea of Asian America was still a relatively new invention. Um, and so it really wasn't expected that, that you know, the that, that Korean, Chinese, Japanese folk, that people with that shared Asian-American, what we now call Asian-American heritage would come together like this. But that's, as we've talked about, part of what makes this moment so incredible, like they did. And people like Gail sort of helped carve out the idea of what an Asian-America could be, just this very active, loud, vocal, and politically engaged group. And so, you know, by reaching across these lines of national origin, these lines of generation, these uh, lines of like language and so many other differences that different Asians have, there's almost this idea of, of solidarity that uh, that is so central to the idea of being Asian American. It's not just a demographic category. It's, there's that sewn into the idea of it. And so I think looking ahead, where can that idea of solidarity go? You know, it was a very unlikely like solidarity that brought these Asian-Americans together to, to find common causes with Charles So what are the common causes that we can find today? And where are those other solidarities that we might be able to find with other communities that we might not expect so much? That's certainly something that stayed with me uh, from the example that these activists have set from, from this amazing work they did um, all those years ago.
3: And I think it's important, you know, just um, Julie ha. for audiences to personalize the message of this story in their own lives. And I'll tell you what's always moved me about this story um, is that here, Chul Lee, you know, somebody who, um, who basically was being told by society that you're disposable. Um, and then a group of people like Gail and others um, looked at Chul Lee and said, no, you are worthy of our time, attention, love, and care. We will build a movement that this country has never, the the likes of which this country has never seen before and we'll build a landmark movement in your name to free you. Um, And they succeed in overturning two murder convictions, which um, any lawyer will tell you is almost impossible in our American criminal justice system, but they did it. Um, and, And I think, you know, we have to note that even before this wrongful conviction, Chosu Lee was not a model minority. He was not some undergrad at Berkeley. Mm. He was this poor Korean immigrant street kid. Um, and, and so we hope that people will see, like, who are the other lees now, today? Um, and we actually think that's a message that Chosu lee himself wanted to spread. If you look at the last chapter of his life, what he was doing was talking publicly about the movement that rallied around him. Even though it was a terrible burden for him to live up to their expectations, even though that weighed on him and he struggled because of it, he still knew that his life was touched by some of the most amazing, compassionate human beings on this planet. And what they built together, what they did together was something that needed to be emulated today um, and could inspire, you know, new generations of activists, journalists, just conscientious people, you know, working toward the public good and helping their fellow a human being. Um, and so, you know, we hope that we are actually helping to deliver Cholsu's message himself um, by um, excavating this history and, and sharing not only his struggle, but also um, this incredible movement that was built by um, Asian Americans.
4: Yeah, and well, I think your uh, film does indeed uh, shed a lot of light on that movement. Uh, we we'll only have a, a minute or so left and want to give the closing thought to Gail Wong, uh, once again, was an advocate who uh, played a role in a lot of the events described in this film. And, you know, when, when you're talking about a historic movement for change uh, many decades later, you, you kind of have to stand up, look around and ask, uh, well, how much of that change really did happen and how much is left to be done still? So I, I guess I'll, I'll let that be the closing question to you, Gail Wong what what do you think still needs to be done
0: um there is still a lot of work to be done i think one thing that has changed is that we do have this history that's been brought to light thank you to Eugene and Julie and uh that's very powerful that is very very powerful to see that we can we've got to continue to organize when we see these um uh, the anti-Asian hate, when we see any kind of discrimination, we see racism within our institutions, we need to come together and fight. And there are people now who are who are living, who live through this, learn lessons, can pass on the lessons to young people to continue the struggle.
4: All right, and that's a great point to close this all out on. We're gonna thank all of our guests right now, right before we close out. The film's co-directors, once again, were Julie Ha and Eugene Yee, thanks to both of you.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you
4: so much. And we just heard a second ago from Gail Wong, who was featured in the film, once served as a member of the Bay Area Chosu Lee Defense Committee. Gail Wong, thanks to you as well. Thank you. The film Free Chosu Lee made its broadcast debut last month. It's available to stream now on the PBS YouTube channel and on the PBS app. Thank you all for listening for KCBS and In Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. well. talk again next week.
0: You've been listening to KCBS In Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts,
4: Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.